quotation around naked or did I? <laughs> you did. Okay. I was just making sure. <laughs> Welcome back to the Let's Call It Nothing podcast, where we discuss all things fangirl. This season, we are reading through the Wolves of Mercy Falls series by Maggie Stiefvater. We spent the first five episodes of this season reading through the first book, Shiver, and now we are on to book number two, Linger. Last episode, not a lot happened, but like just enough. Some sus things happened. It had to build up. I mean, you don't just start off with action. A shebang. Yeah. I mean, you can, but then like, what about the rest of the book? (laughs) Exactly. Uh These books are supposed to be kind of like, do-do-do-do-do. Like a little bit slower, I feel. Which is fine because they're teenagers. I mean, well, also like I don't always want something action packed and heavy. Yeah, that's fine. That's mm-hmm. cool. I'm cool with it. So the last part that we read left off. Grace was going to the nurse's office. Isabel and Grace's POV, and then Cole. Was doing some nonsense, as per usual. Way after that. So we left off the last chapter. Um, like we said, things are getting kind of size. Something is going on with Grace, clearly. She has this headache. She is really warm to the touch. Sam is like, wait a second about it. Even Isabel's like, wait a second about it. Isabel and Grace found this dead wolf. They didn't know how it had died, but it's a very um, curious case. Yes. Curiouser and curious. Curiouser and curiouser. And we are picking back up. Uh, This is a total scene change from last time because Grace is back at school. The reason for my confusion, she goes to the nurse's office in this this chapter. Back to the nurse's office. Yeah. She's at the nurse's office again with a really bad headache. The nurse checks her temperature and Grace is running a fever, but Grace decides to stay at school anyway, which would not be allowed in 2021, according (laughs) to Caitlin. It wouldn't. No. It would send your little ass on Mm -hmm. home so quick. Okay, so I work with children and you work with children. I work with semi-adults. Yeah, but they can't, they drive. So yours don't count. Do y'all have problems with parents just pretending like they don't see your messages to come pick up your, their kid? Yes. Okay. Well, I don't, like if a kid is sick or whatever, I don't send that message usually. Yeah. Like if they're actually sick, if they're just not feeling well, you know, and like if I check their temperature and they're fine, if it's just one of those things where like I want to inform the parent, hey, your kid's not feeling well. They've been complaining about this all day. I don't know if there's actually a problem. I'll send the message and I most of my parents will pick up mm-hmm. their children. <laughs> But yeah, it is an issue, I know. Yeah, I've had like kids running over a 100 degree fever. That's ridiculous. And the parents, either they'll respond and they'll be like, oh, I'll be there as soon as I can. And it's like Mm -hmm. three hours later. Which I understand parents have to work and it's really hard to just be like, hey, I got to go get my child. Because some bosses are not understanding at all. Mm -hmm. And some jobs, it's different. She tries to tell herself that it's just a little fever and nothing more. At this point, it's been reoccurring a lot, but sometimes when it's first happening, you don't realize that. Yeah. I get headaches every week. So. <laughs> yeah, but with a fever. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, like, I don't think so. <laughs> with me, I don't run fevers very often. Like, I don't think I've run a fever in like maybe 10 years because, wow. <laughs> and I get sick a lot. Like, you know, I get sick mm-hmm. a lot, but I hardly ever run fever with it. Because mm-hmm. my body temperature is like normally 97.5. And I just, I don't get sick like that. Yeah. But obviously, there's an issue. And Grace is really just shrugging it off real quick. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, if she knew at this point what might be going on with her, if she questioned it anymore, what really would have happened? Honestly. Like, mm-hmm. what would have changed? Not much. I feel sorry for Grace because, you know, she's just used to, like, taking care of herself when she's mm-hmm. sick. Yeah. So it's not that big a deal to her. Meanwhile, me, if I were running favor, anytime I have run favor, I thought I was dying, like actually like <laughs> about to kill over any second because like I said, I don't get them often. So when I do, I'm like plotting my funeral. Let me tell you, the last one I remember 10 years ago was the stomach virus. Like that's the one that I remember being so bad. <laughs> See, and that's the crazy thing. Like I've had... I get the stomach virus at least once a year. Like I say, I work with kids. Mm-hmm. I'm exposed to everything. I, if a child has not sneezed in my eyeball at least once a <laughs> week, it's it's rare. Mom better not do that to me at this point. <laughs> oh, I, I work. Can- 
I work with little, little kids and they're always up in my face or like I'm holding them and they like sneeze in my face. Reba, you're laughing. I'm laughing because all I can think about is that one time in high school you were talking and you spit and was open and it went to- <laughs> I remember it so visually, so vividly. I do too. <laughs> and two legs? We have had very little personal space, by the way, in our friendship. <laughs> That's what we get for knowing each other this long. Yeah. All right. So we're on to chapter 12 now. And the first part of this chapter is from Cole's perspective. So Cole shows back into his human form, feeling the sleet underneath him and deciding he really shouldn't be human right now. He worries about developing hypothermia since he's, of course, naked. Naked. It's naked. I'm sorry. I wrote that (laughs) as naked. Well, then you say (laughs) If y'all don't know what I'm talking about, there is an American dad episode where george w bush comes over for dinner and he gets drunk and he's like i want to be naked and that's all i think about if I, ever the word naked comes up what's hilarious naked. is that you have mentioned that on this podcast before probably <laughs> maybe more than once i don't remember i think about that episode a lot <laughs> Like there's a few of that for you. I love there's a few cartoon episodes that just stick out in my head. That's one of them. The trapped in the closet from South Park where Scientology is it's bad. Like those just live in my brain rent free. Alright, so <laughs> back to this. And Cole finds a fancy statue and realizes he's close to a huge house. And then directly quoted here. I tried the back door, unlocked. Truly, the man upstairs was smiling down on me. I made a note to send a card. <laughs> And this is where we fell in love with Cole. Kid. <laughs> this guy, man. <laughs> Love him. So Cole walks into the house only to be confronted by a pretty blonde girl while he was wandering around. While the girl is asking him what he's doing in her house, the door opens and they hear someone come in. Both this girl and Cole freeze, not knowing what to do when a woman Cole assumes is a girl's mother walks up. Dun, dun, dun. We haven't said who this girl is yet, but we're about to. I picture her. I don't remember what exactly she's doing, but I picture her with a shotgun. It's like, what are you doing in my house? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, a little prissier. Also, um, this is one of Caitlin's favorite chapters because <laughs> she's so tropey. <laughs> she talks about it. We Snapchat it. Well, Caitlin Snapchats us when she gets to a good part in the books <laughs> we're reading. Whenever I have a thought. <laughs> and like, this one went on for a while. <laughs> I love it so much. It's it's so tropey in all the best ways. I love this scene in most books. Yeah. Things like this. Yeah. I think it's hilarious. Well, also, I don't remember what it directly says in the book, but I just him having the thought of, I'm going to die by two generations of pretty women. <laughs> it's like, that's funny. <laughs> this is where we fell in love with Cole. recognizing the truth. <laughs> okay. As the, the unknown girl's mother starts screaming because, you know, there's a naked guy in her house, Cole is shocked to realize that the girl is actually going to defend him instead of, you know, just giving him up. And the girl who we find out is Isabel claims that um, her and Cole are sleeping together to explain why he's there and naked. <laughs> She was pretty much like, yeah, you expect me to act out, so this is me acting out. The mom, Isabel mom, gives up, used to her daughter's antics because of things, you know, that have been happening, and tells Isabel to make him leave. So Isabel pushes Cole into the bathroom and asks him what he's doing being changed so early, and Cole is surprised that Isabel knows that he's a werewolf. She then asks if he's one of Sam's, and he seems confused asking if she meant Beck, and she insists, not Beck, Sam now, and then she asks for his name. I love how it's not mentioned that he's naked until, like, a lot later on in our summer <laughs> well she doesn't he's naked this whole time yeah he's naked the entire time but she like has no mention of it until later too yeah like things don't phase isabel no they don't no there's a lot of scenes where it looks like cole's like i'm naked <laughs> there are a lot of scenes where cole's naked and isabel's just treating it him becomes like- a joke she's like do you ever put on clothes it's like <laughs> The Edward and Jacob joke in, I think it was the Eclipse movie, where he's like, do you ever wear a shirt? Like, yeah. that's Isabel and Cole's conversation. <laughs> and it's and like, I love it. It's okay to be naked when everyone's okay with it. It's okay to be naked. Everyone has to be okay with it and give their consent in this situation. And Isabel being completely unfazed by it. Is great. Yeah. Also, the fact Cole isn't bothered by it in the least. Yeah. I, I also love... <laughs> It's the trophy part for me. Not only is he naked, but her mom walks in. <laughs> and her mom's just like, what the f***? 
is going on? And Isabel's immediately like, Mom, like, we're having a night together. Like, come on. Like, and let's think about what if it was like a older, bigger band. I don't know like, if her mom would have done anything then. No, I'm not saying that. Would Isabel have lied and pretended that she was? Oh. Uh, um, I don't know. It's a little, I think that's up in the air. It is. Yeah. I think she. I mean, she found Cole hot pretty early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I think that's, that's the hmm. point. She is like, well, he's a hot guy. I'll I'm going to put myself in the place real quick. <laughs> I walk in, naked guy around my <laughs> I'm Isabel, so my confidence is skyrocketing. <laughs> I'm hot as <laughs> or at least I think I am. No, wait. I am, because I'm freaking Isabel Culpepper. How do I react to that? Okay. But if it was a hot this. older guy, she'd probably still defend him. Hell yeah! <laughs> but mainly, mainly this was to piss off her mom in the process. Like, yeah. it was just like, it was it like... Was a two-for-one deal. Like, yeah. I mean, it was perfect for her. Mm-hmm. It was like... Yeah. Like just hot guy away. and piss off and mom. Cole has to go along with it because he's like my savior. Like <laughs> he's like I, I could have died. <laughs> I don't think I wrote down it the line down, but he's like I'm acting in my own life right now. Yeah, I'm an yeah, actor in my yeah. own life right now. Yeah, that's what he says. Yeah. All right, so getting back on track, we have now switched to Isabel's point of view in this chapter. So Cole tells Isabel his name. It pisses Isabel off that the way that he's acting, like he graced her with it. She could tell he was flirting with her and unlike most people who would be embarrassed by being naked in front of a girl that they just met he seemed surprisingly confident (laughs) (laughs) he's like i am hot this is like we were like "Ah, do we like cole as a character this is the chapter where we the chapter i was like hell yeah (laughs) let's go so 12 chapters in okay we're already in love with cole because he's a hot mess and we love it all right so isabel's trying to of course ignore her attraction to him and so she diffuses the situation by going to her brother's room to get uh, clothes for cole you know because he's still naked after she found the clothes she ran into cole because he had followed her into the room because he felt like she was taking too long and he starts putting on the clothes however when isabel sees her dead brother's clothes on cole she gives a reaction that's not expected um, she couldn't stand seeing her brother's favorite shirt on Cole, so she grabs the shirt, indicating that she wanted him to take it off. He obliged, not fully understanding the reason behind it, and instead of explaining it to him, she decides kissing him would be an appropriate way to avoid it. Isabel, that's not how we solve our problems. I don't blame you. But that's not... <laughs> I was waiting for it. That's not how we solve our problems. And you can see at this point, like, girl's a mess. Girl's barely holding it together. Oh, definitely. And Cole's just along for the ride. Yep. Honestly, yeah. (sighs) Later on, it just kind of amplifies. Yeah. Okay, so when Isabel pulls back and realizes that although he's enjoying the kiss but wasn't as revved up as she was, which of course, like many things, also pissed her off, she withdraws and tells him that the kiss was awful and it was like he's trying to eat an apple and it's time for him to leave. (laughs) And then she takes this time to, of course, warn him that her dad shoots wolves and he shouldn't hang out around the place. So as Cole is leaving, he shifts back into a wolf and finally Isabel gets all the things she wanted to explain to Cole but couldn't when he was human that her brother died she wasn't a nice person and she shouldn't lie about the kiss being terrible so she's saying all of this to his wolf form that's kind of just like staring at her in the woods and then she's a she uh thinks i could still remember his human eyes in that wolf face they looked as empty as i felt this chapter isabel honey you're going through it like yeah. hey naked guy in my house hot naked walks guy. In, i pretend that i'm sleeping with him to piss her off and because he clearly needs help i know he's a werewolf i let him know he's a werewolf give him my brother's shirt clothes and everything get really you know uh, about emotional. that <laughs> emotional about that decide kissing this guy i just met is a good idea to avoid talking about to the avoid issues talking about it and then realizing oh wait he we just met he's he doesn't know me. Like, he's clearly like, eh, about this. And then her being like, well, that kiss sucked anyway. <laughs> That's the most Isabel reaction ever. And then immediately, like, apologizing minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> Girl. Not to his face. No, not to his face. Not to his human form where he can form oh, thoughts yeah, about it. Because she's as confident as she is when it comes to her own feelings. She's an absolute coward. Which, same. Ow. <laughs> same. That hurt. It that hurts. 
all of us in this room and all of us listening right now because it's true for all of us yeah yeah it is just she is so broken but she puts on this facade like i'm a badass bitch and like nothing can hurt me exactly exactly um this book (laughs) this whole series from what i've read y'all mental health therapy especially for people who have been through these traumatic situations I mean, how do you talk Get about you that some. therapy? <laughs> She's in therapy, but she can't talk about the actual issues. Well, we need a wolfy therapist. We do. They should have changed a wolfy therapist. See, we need the supernatural therapist in every single thing we yep. have ever yep. been into. <laughs> What's that? It was like the school guidance counselor in Team, Team Wolf. <laughs> I don't remember how much. She knew some stuff, right? I don't remember. Yeah, because she was... Uh, she was something. Yeah, well, I don't remember we what the name it was. We need someone like that. We need a mental health advocate for these people. Yeah, because I mean, like, each one of them is damaged. Yeah. <laughs> In this story, yes. No okay. Even Rachel, she's not okay. There's no way. I mean, if you her quirkiness covers up her trauma. <laughs> I mean, if you can't re- refer to your best friend's boyfriend by his name, but you think y'all are best friends. <laughs> Which hey is boy. canon now. <laughs> Us. And, and later she doesn't even call him the boy. It's just boy. Maybe. Okay. Rachel's household. She has a single mom and her single mom brings over a new guy every other week. So she's just used to one in, one out. So she calls every significant Maybe other. it's not every other week. Maybe it's every few months because she develops this attachment to them. And this has happened since she was a kid. So she calls everyone the boy. Yes. And it's just come to this point where, like, she just sees men as, like, they're in and then they're out. So she doesn't, like, try too hard. I like how you're giving this two Completely made up background to this side she character. something. <laughs> she does need something. She I needs agree. something. Maybe I mean, she's from a happy, regular nuclear family. No, like, she's very no. attention seeking. She's That's got what, like yeah. multiple fa- like kids in the household. That's what yeah. I was about to say. She has to have multiple yeah. siblings, and so she's the one who doesn't get she's the most attention. Making their lunch for them, like older sister has a baby too and is living there like she's changing the diapers at 5 a.m like i think what caitlin's saying is that our plot device needs to still have its own background (laughs) which maybe we just don't know rachel's story but she if she's in this story i need to know more about her i want to to be more than a plot device, not because i like her but because i just need to know more about her so that i can sympathize a little bit and get and and feel at ease with her dialogue and understand yeah. her her relevance in life. She needs all that coffee because she's taking care of all those kids. That Maybe makes sense. It. Yeah. Or she's staying up for her mom who's coming home at 3 a.m. from God knows the where. Shift. Yeah, the shift. With another guy. Doing whatever it may be. Oh my god. So we've decided that her mom is a lady of the night <laughs> with multiple children. Maybe her mom works mm-hmm. like you know, other than I feel like know, we came up with two different work. stories and it could be either one. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Chapter thirteen. We have Sam's perspective, and this is right from his brain. He says, I missed my mother. I couldn't explain this to Grace because I knew all she could see when she thought of my mother was the savage scars that my parents have left on my wrist. And it was true. The memories of them trying to kill the tiny monster I had become were stuffed into my head so tightly that sometimes they seemed like they would split my skull. The old wounds dug so deep, and I felt the razor blades again whenever I was near a bathtub. So Sam is randomly reminded of his mom while working at the bookstore. He thinks about the last poem he read, which said, But by blood, no wolf am I. No wolf am I. Today happens to be his birthday. And he remembers his mom making cupcakes for him as a child and how careful his parents were with him before they decided to kill him. Grace walks into the bookstore with sandwiches and wishes Sam a happy birthday, which surprises him. She explains that Beck told her all this before he changed which we all find weird because when would have they had that conversation yeah they barely talked and when would have been like by the way his birthday is march 3rd like (laughs) yeah like that just doesn't happen yeah so they go up to their bookstore loft to eat their romantic subs you know that place where they made out that one time and many of times afterwards i'm sure when they finish eating sam folds the wrappers into paper cranes 
remember the paper cranes because they come up pretty often. Mm-hmm. So Sam tells her that he makes these paper cranes so that he will remember all of the good times. As a gift, Grace gives Sam an invoice for him to have five hours in a recording studio. He hugs her, but as he's hugging her, he notices that she is burning up. Grace reassures him that she's fine, and Sam says they need to go home before her parents get back. Grace once again says, oh, let's elope. While they're leaving, Sam smells what he thinks is still the hint of the dead wolf that Grace had encountered before. Romantic subs. Happy birthday, Sam. Happy birthday, Sam. It's all going downhill from here. Yes, How it is. old is he? He's 18? He's 19 now? He's 19 now? Maybe. I don't know. I thought he oh, turned 18. He was 18 last. Yeah, I thought he was last already year. 18. So, yeah, he would be 19. He'd be 19. Chapter 14. The first part of it is from Sam's perspective. Sam wakes up feeling uneasy. He cuddles up to Grace, finding her hot to touch. He then puts his hand on her side to feel her breathing, which usually helps him sleep. Only tonight, he can't shake this uneasy feeling from his thoughts. Tonight, I couldn't stop remembering what it felt like when I had been just about to shift. The way the cold had crawled along my skin, trailing goosebumps behind it. The turn, turn, turn of my stomach, aching nausea unfurling. The slow sunburst pain of my spine as it stretched according to memories of another shape. My thoughts slipping away from me, crushed and reformed to fit my winter skull. Sleep evaded me, just out of my grasp. My instincts prickled relentlessly, urging me to alertness. The darkness pressed against my eyes. While the wolf inside me saying something is not right. Outside, the wolves begin to howl. Goodness gracious. And once again, Maggie, you're a great writer. Yep. <laughs> Stephanie, <It's> pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and the next part is from Grace's point of view. Covered in sweat, Grace isn't sure if she is asleep or awake, but she knows she has seen every wolf she knows in Mercy Falls shift from their human form into wolves. In her semi-conscious state, she wonders what it would be like if she had turned, what kind of wolf she would be. She hears the wolves outside howl into the night, and suddenly she feels a change. And this is from her thoughts. I was going to shift. I choked on the wolf rising inside me, pressing against the lining of my stomach, clawing inside my skin, trying to peel me inside out. I wanted it, and my muscles burned and groaned. Pain split me. I had no voice. I was on fire. I sprang from my bed, shaking off my skin. And then we've got Sam's POV. I jerked awake, stung by Grace's scream. She was 100 million degrees, close enough to burn me, but too far away for me to reach. Grace! I whispered. Sorry. (laughs) Grace! I whispered. Are you awake? The sheets swept from my body as she rolled away from me. Crying out again, in the dim light, I could only see her shoulder. And I reached out of it, cupping her arm with my hand. She was drenched with sweat. And her skin trembled beneath my palm. An unstable, unfamiliar letter. Grace, wake up. Are you okay? My heart was pounding so loud that it felt like I wouldn't hear her, even if she did answer. She thrashed beneath my touch and then bolted upright, her eyes wild, body volatile, and quivering. I didn't know her. Grace, talk to me, I whispered. The whispering seemed pointless in light of her earlier scream. Grace stared at her hands with a kind of wonder. I laid the back of my hand on her forehead She was appallingly hot, hotter than I thought anyone could be. I laid my palms on both sides of her neck, and she shuddered as if they were ice. I think you're sick, I said, my own stomach turning over. You have a fever. She spread her fingers wide and steadied her shaking hands. I dreamed, I dreamed I shifted. I thought I... She suddenly let out a terrible wail and curled away from me, clutching her arms around her stomach. I didn't know what to do. What's wrong? I asked, not expecting an answer and not getting one. I'm getting you some Tylenol or something in the bathroom. She just whimpered. It was terrifying. I leaned forward to see her face, and that's when I smelled it. She stank of wolf. 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 From Grace. The scent of wolf. It wasn't possible. It had to be me. I prayed it was me. I turned my face into my own shoulder, inhaled, lifted my hand to my nose, the one that had just touched her forehead. Wolf. My heart stopped, and then the door came open, and light flooded in from the hall. Grace, her father's voice. The bedroom light came on, and his eyes found me sitting next to her. Sam? Oh my gosh! Y'all. Can you imagine <sighs> either point of view? Oh my gracious, Sam. I don't care about her parents. 
the parents. We'll get there. Like, as Sam, wake up. Your girlfriend is, like, burning hot. Burning hot. She is thrashing around in her sleep. You don't know what the f*** is going on. She's saying she thought she had shifted into a wolf. Yeah. You're trying really hard to be, like, calm and quiet, but also you're panicking. Yeah. And Sam's not good with panicking. Either. No. Nope. He's, he's had his own trauma. He has been through the shifting before. He has witnessed it. This is the love of his life going through mm-hmm. an event. That she's not supposed to have. Yeah. And then her parents walk in <laughs> while they're in the same bed and he's not supposed to be there. And as Grace, I mean, you're just going through it and you are yeah. completely unaware of everything around you. Yeah. Because she's like super, I mean, like brain meltingly yeah. i mean feverish. like if you've had a, ever had a moment where some bodily thing has happened or even like emotional thing like anxiety wise um where you are become completely unaware of your surroundings mm-hmm. and like the people there i've had it where like i felt like i was about to faint or something or like i black out a little bit and it's really weird because you aren't aware of what's around you yeah i went unconscious before in my younger years and it was like i knew what was going on Mm kind of but i couldn't like wake myself enough to be up for it Mm -hmm. if that makes sense like i couldn't answer anybody that's kind of how i feel grace is going through this except for she's physically like and whenever you're going through anything like that you have to focus so much on yourself because you're like if you're aware that something is wrong with you you're like something Mm -hmm. is wrong with me i don't know what's going on i have no idea how to fix it yeah i'm trying everything but i can't actually do anything like you can't be concerned with other people at that moment Mm -hmm. or your surroundings yeah that's a chapter (laughs) wild it just gets wilder yeah now we're moving on to chapter 15 which is from grace's point of view and peyton has left a note here because she's very frustrated with this chapter (laughs) whenever i went to your notes the other day Uh uh-huh all it said was that and i was like damn she's not even gonna write anything else because she's so frustrated (laughs) (laughs) i had to take a break i I completely understand like i'm gonna need a minute to breathe before i actually because like i reread it and i was like parents like i'm so pissed yeah yeah we have feelings yeah Yeah. i i will quote peyton and as she said i don't even know how to explain my frustration with this chapter and having to write was hard without being extra explicit (laughs) (laughs) there were a lot of words flying around in my head let me Uh just uh-huh. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still reading Peyton's notes. So if, if anything comes out, it's because I'm reading. <laughs> Maybe a swear word or two. <laughs> I don't know where I called Lewis a certain word. I don't know. I kind of glanced through it. I didn't see anything that stood out, but we'll see as I read it. No, I think it's later on. All right. So Grace's dad, who came in from the last chapter, realizes that Sam was staying over and berates them for being over their disrespectful behaviors of him staying the night there without them knowing. Instead of realizing that Grace is in desperate need of medical attention because because of how feverish she is. And convulsing. Yeah, she is convulsing. <laughs> like, she's literally having a f- seizure. And he's like, how dare y'all? A boy in my daughter's bed. I mean, was he, did she, did he think she was having an orgasm? Was that what it was? Like, that's all <laughs> I can think of. It's like, like, I don't know. I feel like initially walking in, you see Sam and you're like, what the f***? Quickly, you should notice whenever you're trying to get on to Grace. Oh, my daughter is not well. She's having a seizure or... It probably looked like a seizure. I mean, that's what I imagine. Yeah. It's like she's seizing up. Grace's mom is also there. And she's a little bit better because she at least goes to get a thermometer to end up checking Grace's temperature. I want to interrupt you right there. Because I think, like, she does this just to, like, ignore the problems. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not out of care for grace it's mm-hmm. just she's like i, I don't want to be out of this room yeah i don't want to be in the middle of this i could care less i'm gonna go get a thermometer i mean even like whenever in book one whenever grace was being attacked by she wolf shelby grace's was mom, mom was like cowering like you remember with her paintbrushes on the staircase <laughs> that, that's not canon we made that up but yeah she <laughs> was a there. staircase in their house but she was cowering like, yeah there was a staircase because hey. there's there's a yeah, second yeah. floor yeah anyway <laughs> grace's mom isn't doesn't want to be present grace's dad however still completely ignores how grace is and says that he's taking sam to his car sam begs to stay with grace because she's sick however good old lewis as peyton says <laughs> decides as nice as i could <laughs> decides to tell the two crazy kids that if sam doesn't leave now he will never be allowed to see grace again sam feeling stressed scared and angry tells him to never threaten him with that he complies with grace's dad however and leaves with him abandoning grace in her time of need though he doesn't really have a choice in that 
Okay. He, he's very reluctant about it, but... Can we go off about Grace's parents just a little bit in this chapter? Just a little bit, not just, completely. Just a little well, bit. Well, they do more <laughs> later on. Yeah. So, I don't want to completely, you know, go into them right now. Why do you care now, Lewis, Amy? Why I do mean, you care now? It was set up in the beginning, like, Grace's dad calls her to check up on her, mm-hmm. which really and truly he was making sure Sam wasn't there. Yeah. yeah, her parents really won't let go of Sam being this well, bad influence on her. Yeah, they have completely ignored their daughter for 17 years that we know of. And then she finally is happy. She finally has someone who she loves and loves her back and who is there for her. Mm-hmm. But they don't say that because they don't care. Yeah, and suddenly have they have an issue and they think this sweet, sweet Sammy boy, this kid is trying to corrupt their daughter, who they don't even know. Like, they don't even know Grace. No, they don't. And I don't know if Lewis just decides he's probably my daughter, so I should be concerned about this. Yeah. Like, I literally think the only thing is because she's not a perfect child now, Mm -hmm. because she's not a virgin, Mm -hmm. even though he doesn't really know that until, I mean, like, that's literally all I can think of, is that he he had an image of what Grace was, Mm -hmm. because he doesn't know her. He just knows, like, oh, she's really good in school. I don't ever have to get on to her and now she he sees a boyfriend and he's like she's gonna you know want to have sex with him yeah and that's not okay because that ruins my image of what a daughter's supposed to be mm-hmm. you're letting your fatherly instinct kick in now at the wrong time at the wrong and time. it's not even that it's more like a it's a status thing he's like being the macho man like yeah like don't you dare touch my daughter blah, blah, blah. it's more like a societal thing mm-hmm. to me is that we think that girls teenage girls especially are corrupted easily by boys when they're just as complicit and stuff but you would think with how they are at least in book one not necessarily that they would be okay with sam staying over they wouldn't care yeah they would they wouldn't care as much they would you know maybe try and emphasize like hey like maybe he leaves at this time since grace you're still in school you're only 17 Mm -hmm. like all that sam can sleep on the couch if he actually is staying over if he doesn't feel like riding home late at night you yeah know, which whatever that's weird but we've had that you know that's not gonna happen in my house i just don't understand why they would give it now other than his society says oh i feel like the things that they do it really you know leads back to society standards yeah of how you should parent yeah like they have no clue about parenting they just Mm -hmm. know oh my daughter's not supposed to have sex if they had a boy it would be fine they wouldn't care i don't think so let's see if grace was a boy and they walked in and he was with his girlfriend in bed i think there would be a reaction but not like this but not like this especially lewis going off like this yeah i don't think because the corruption of a teenage girl uh, quote-unquote corruption yeah because having sex is not a corruption consensual sex it's no it's not the same thing it's not the same thing (laughs) it's not and i mean that's strictly because teenage girls that are virgins are put on a pedestal Mm -hmm. and if you which is such like centuries old bull and i mean i would be fine i'm fine with everybody if we're gonna do that everybody should stay like that like if you want them to be virgins boys need to be virgins too but it's so stigmatized to females it's ridiculous i wonder what kind of conversations lewis and amy had together about grace in general that, that'd be interesting. Do they talk about Grace? I was about to say, they I don't sh- think they, they do. They surely talk about, like, Grace and Sam's relationship because they're on the now, same page. Yeah, now they do. They're on the same page. Like, this is too fast. Like, they should not be going this far. But yeah, they probably didn't until, like, Sam showed up. Like, they had no problem with anything. I mean, they didn't really notice her until she had a boyfriend. She was happy. Hey, we are on chapter 16. It's a long and It's going to be a doozy. Y'all hold up. You're going to hear a lot of my voice. We start off with Sam perspective right after this event so grace's dad drives sam back to his car at the bookstore and her dad says grace has always been perfect in 17 years she has never gotten into trouble at school she's never done drugs or alcohol she's a straight a student she has always been absolutely perfect until now we don't need someone to come along and corrupt her i don't know you samuel but i do know my daughter And I know that this is all 
you. I'm not trying to be threatening here, but I won't have you ruining my daughter. I think you seriously need to reconsider your priorities before you see her again. You don't have a right to give this speech, Lewis. That is my opinion, and I am right. Yes. That, <laughs> that was full BS. Daughter. Ruining my daughter by being in the same bed with her. They were probably wearing the coziest of pajamas. They Nothing always was are. happening. They always are. The only time I can think that she wasn't was the one time she was wearing a camisole. <laughs> that sexy, sexy camisole. It I'm, just kills me. I'm it, not trying to be threatening here, but don't ever see my daughter again or else. Like... <laughs> And even like, oh yeah, she's been perfect all this time. No, you don't. You don't know, know her daughter. She's surface level grace. That is, yes, she has been all of that. But I mean, but that's also like what what the f- teachers know at school. Yeah, they know her for a year. Yeah, or so. But it goes back to like he had no idea that she was obsessed with the wolves. Mm-hmm. Tom Culpepper knew she was obsessed with the wolves. How? How do you not realize? Yeah. What your daughter's interests yeah. are. And uh, Sam's reaction to all this is, you know, very, very Sam. But I'm thinking if we had like a Cole character as the boyfriend. Oh, he would go off on her dad. It would have been, they would have both been in the hospital, <laughs> Lewis and the boyfriend. <laughs> like Cole. Yeah, definitely. Just, you know, beaten and bruised. Cole thinks about saying like shattering this image he's got in his head of yeah. his daughter but he swallows it because yeah. it's not worth his time so Sam stays silent because he doesn't want to burst this bubble of this imaginary life after he's dropped off Sam continues worrying over Grace's state that he left her in he ends up calling her phone of course none other than Lewis picks up who tells Sam not to call anymore Sam states that he only wanted to know how Grace is doing and the dickhead says it was just a fever. Yeah, you're welcome. That was <laughs> that was my least expletive yeah, I, I gotcha. could think of. Later on, Sam goes back to Beck's house and wanders around aimlessly, turning on every light in the house before Isabel shows up. She lugs in a frostbitten coal. Sam, being the newly appointed pack daddy, he is. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Caitlin note. <laughs> pack daddy. Sam, being the newly appointed pack daddy, he is, gets some ibuprofen for the new wolf and explains to Cole that it's normal for all the changes to be unpredictable so the shifting back and forth so Cole shifted in the cold cold outside mm-hmm. and got frostbitten because of course he did and he gives him the ibuprofen to help with you know the healing of the frostbite yeah hey, and then we have Isabel's perspective Isabel asks Sam why he's not with Grace and then Sam tells her what'll happen you know he was caught in bed with his girlfriend by her parents and also she was basically dying <laughs> she was not doing well he then asks why Isabel is even with Cole which gives Isabel a slight pause until she realizes he meant and why did she bring him here she tells Sam that she saw Cole outside and didn't think he was going to change back after she brought him here the book says Sam's mouth did something un- unreadable that's awfully nice of you I Isabel smiled thinly it happens does it Sam asked I think most people would have left a naked stranger outside. Isabel doesn't like Sam's line of questioning. Sam suggests someone needs to check on Cole, but pauses in front of the door before saying he needs to get a room ready for Cole in this house. Isabel notices that the bathroom light was the only one not turned on in the entire house. So all the lights in the house are turned on except for the bathroom light. As readers, we understand why, because the bathtub yeah and sam's uh, trauma dealing with that isabel realizes that sam might not be as much as an open book as she realized she wants to ask him about it but shrugs off as she does she knows the time and place when to have those conversations and mm-hmm. clearly now is not one of those pink had also said at one point i'm not that girl right at i'm not that girl yet to ask those questions yeah, she knows her place. Yeah. Even though Sam is her best friend, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She knows her place. Yeah. She also knows that he has had a rough night and she's like, not going to go there right now. Also, no. she's had a rough night and she's like, I'm tired. I don't want to go there right now. <laughs> yeah. Also, Cole is naked and she needs to go see him. Cole is naked, so she's got to go take a visit. <laughs> 
Because this is Caitlin. <laughs> I'm horrible, I guess. Then we have Cole's perspective. This is a chapter where we have so many different perspectives. And reading, I was so confused, but it's okay. So Cole's perspective. Cole is relaxing in the bathtub when he hears a knock on the door, followed by Isabel asking if he has drowned. He's been in there a hot minute, y'all. She walks into the bathroom and they begin to talk. Cole asks her how she even knows about the wolves. Isabel simply tells him that she's friends with Sam's girlfriend. But Cole can see that this isn't the real reason she knows everything. He doesn't call her out for it, though. Cole then asks for more information about Sam, you know, the new pack daddy. (laughs) Isabel explains that Sam was kind of like Beck's son. She quickly drops this conversation, saying she doesn't really know everything because she's not his girlfriend, which is such a weird thing to say. Yeah. (laughs) Also, Cole notices, like, she's very, she's got a lot of admiration towards Sam. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of where it hints, maybe Isabel's got a bit of a crush. Yeah. Interesting. Cole notes that Isabel sounds like she admired Sam, just as you said. He then points out it's cold, and he, meaning Sam, is human. That's weird. Isabel explains that Sam was cured after they induced a fever a few months ago. This admission confuses Cole because Beck had previously stated that he needed more wolves shifting back and forth to keep the pack running. Isabel explains that Beck had turned him, Cole, and Victor before he even knew about Sam's newfound cure. And also, I think that they were turned before the cure thing even happened. Yeah, Chronologically, I was like, okay, that makes sense. She then morosely points out that this cure doesn't cure everyone. Cole shrugs this off, saying he doesn't want to be cured anyway. Aren't you afraid? Isabel asks. Of what? Of losing losing yourself. I told her the truth. That's what I'm hoping for. Cole being the sad, sad boy he is. Yes. Sad boy. He doesn't want to be Cole. Also, I want to say, I don't think Isabel knew when these new wolves were. Like, I don't think she saw them. Like, I don't think she was told about them. Okay. So, she doesn't know. Yeah, because I was wondering why she, like, said it like that. But, yeah, I guess that would make sense. Mm -hmm. But we as readers know that within the timeline, the new wolves were made with Beck thinking of this normal cycle Mm -hmm. and then the cure happening. Quote, unquote, cure. Yeah, because at that time, I don't think is because obviously Isabel and Cole never had a yeah never saw each other but i don't think i think by the time jack came to beck's house they had already been let loose too yeah and then we go back to isabel's perspective cole asked isabel if his fingers are okay and he runs a hand across her fingers there are lots of soft touches that turn a little needy and aggressive in the best way that is caitlin's note (laughs) the odd pair proceed to make outs with Cole still in the bathtub. I don't know logistically how this works. Well, if you want to know, Isabel gets a little, uh, this gets handsy. No, I mean, like, she's like, the water is slipping between my breasts. And yeah, so there's well, that yeah, one. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this is a YA novel. I must have been half asleep while reading that. Yeah, but. like, she's like, I'm leaning over the tub. There's water in between my breasts. Well, she, I mean, she did dig her fingernails into its skin, though. Yeah, too. like, she clawed Saw him. <laughs> he comes out with claw marks, and Sam was like, what the f happened in there? <laughs> no, so I don't think Sam would even think that. He would just be like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Isabel asks what they should do now, and Cole responds, find a bed. We <laughs> this makes Isabel pull further away, and then she makes her exit. Cole pouts, saying that she's making him feel like a bad kisser again. As Isabel leaves, she is happy to realize that Cole is broken, too. So, this is definitely the point where I was like, these two, they're going to be the reason I keep on reading this book, because... <laughs> It's real messy. It's super messy. It's super messy. They are using each other. <laughs> like, Sam and Grace are broken people, but their relationship is healthy. It's built on love. <laughs> Colin Isabel's is built on Lust. distraction. <laughs> yeah, that too. Chapter 17, and the first part is in Cole's perspective. Cole wakes up and goes down spa- little downstairs. <laughs> the light turned off. I can't see and my eyes are fuzzy. <laughs> ghost, please turn it back on. <laughs> turn it back, ghost, you poo. Okay. Uh-huh. Cole wakes up and goes downstairs spotting Sam in the kitchen. Sam snaps at him asking why he is here. 
Cole simply puts to be a wolf and points out Sam doesn't change into a wolf anymore. So what's he doing there? Sam states this is his home. He realizes he is being a bit too defensive and tells Cole he doesn't understand why someone would want to be a wolf. Cole tells Sam the same reason Beck did. It is because he needed a fresh start. Sam points out that Cole chose this life. At this time, Cole realizes that Sam was given a different story than he was. He doesn't correct Sam. Sam just leaves his number for his new housemate and tells him he is going to work. He reminds Cole to stay close to the house in case he shifts, living this life in seclusion in the middle of the woods, where the only people he talks to are Sam and Isabel. (laughs) Cole decides he likes being not famous. I feel like that it's not just those two things that Cole decides he likes not being famous. It's that Sam treated him as a problem. As a person, essentially, yeah. He treated him like that. And like Cole knows that he's a person. So he's like, like this because most people when you're famous from my understanding because I haven't been famous <laughs> um, there was a brief time I thought I was but last um, but you did give on. away one signature I did I do there is a boy out there somewhere with an autograph of me oh my god and a headshot if you can call it that it was a photo I printed out myself <laughs> But he's got it. And it's written to my biggest fan. And I I hope he's doing well. Yeah, I think it's because you get a lot of yes men around you. Yeah. yeah. And Sam's like, this guy is a issue. (laughs) It's like, I hate this. Go. Just go the away. Like, why? (laughs) Definitely. So Cole's like, he doesn't like me. I like this. (laughs) Yeah. And also, like, Sam kind of justifies what Cole already thinks about himself, which is like, I'm a waste of space. (laughs) Sam's like, why are you here? (laughs) Wasting the space. The air that I breathe. Cole's like, oh yeah, why am I here? (laughs) Gotta love Cole. The next part is from Isabel's point of view. While at school, Isabel attempts to call an absent Grace. She is met by someone else's voice on the other end. The rants are are now vetting Grace's calls. Which I got a lot to say about. No, I won't. I'll save it. But Grace happens to be in the same room as the conversation and asks for her mom to hand her the phone. After receiving it, Grace proceeds to tell Isabel her rundown of the night's events and how she is now grounded. She also explains how she was in the hospital late, but the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. Cole's perspective. Cole being himself finds a room with an unlocked computer and a desk full of papers. He starts snooping and finds Sam adoption papers and a newspaper clipping from Sam's parents. And this is what it says. Gregory and Annette Roth, a doula Duluth couple. <laughs> Duluth. Again. And action. Gregory and Annette Roth, a Duluth couple. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say Duluth again. I about didn't. <laughs> Changed laugh. And action. Hell! Okay. <laughs> Gregory and Annette Roth, a Duluth couple, were charged last Monday with attempted murder of their seven year old son. Authorities have placed their child, not named here, to protect identity into state custody. His fate will be decided after the Roth's trial. The Roths allegedly held their son in a bathtub and cut his wrist with a razor. Shortly after the act, Annette Roth confessed to the next door neighbor, saying that her son was taking too long to die. Both she and Gregory Roth told the police that their son was possessed by the devil. So, um, when Shiver, we were like... Hey, how did the authorities find out about Sam's parents attempting murder on him? And we get the answer here. Yeah. Sam's mom runs over to the neighbor's house and is like, my son won't die. He's possessed by the devil. I'm sure this like seven-year-old lady was like, oh my God. (laughs) 911. Uh, They're trying to kill their seven-year-old. My neighbors are crazy. (laughs) Can you come and get them? Call CBS while you're out of it. Um, Get everybody. Get them. Everyone? Cole empathizes with Sam's troubled past and thinks, and you feel sorry for yourself. He keeps snooping and figures out that Sam basically owns the house, and then he becomes, he comes across a journal. He, will you stop laughing at me? <laughs> Rooting in the dark here with my fuzzy eyeballs. <laughs> you think about him becoming a journal? Are <laughs> <laughs> <Are> you loopy? <laughs> yes, book. I am. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> what book is that where somebody becomes a journal? Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> 
Just ask simply. <laughs> Off Peyton the top has of the- no idea what I'm talking about. Is that a Harry Potter thing? Yeah, yes. I thought so. I didn't read Harry Potter because my parents are religious. We only saw one movie. I only saw the one movie. Dobby. My parents didn't care after that, I don't think. Like, once they realized it wasn't they what knew. they thought it was. Yeah. I want to point that out. They were just ill-informed, maybe. I don't know. Mom's going to correct me when she re- she hears this, but whatever. <laughs> She's already complained that I use too many swear words, but that's beside the point. And she knows it's mine, even though they're bleeped out. I don't understand. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> he becomes a journal. <laughs> so Paul becomes. <laughs> so Paul becomes a journal. What? Paul becomes. <laughs> what? Did you say Paul becomes? No, she said Cole. I said Cole. Oh, sorry. I'm sick of y'all. <laughs> he is interrupted by a phone call, which he answers finding Isabel on the other end. She tells him not to call her using caller ID or save her number, and he invites her over. She tells him she's at school and that he should just hang up the phone if he just wants to hook up because it's not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> he doesn't hang up and hopes she gets the message. He admits he just wants someone to talk to. She tells him if he wants to talk, he needs to tell her something he wouldn't tell anybody else. He admits he tries so hard not to be like his father because his father is this amazing scientist and nothing he could do would ever compare. He asks to hear something about her. She tells him her brother died. He states she would have told somebody that before. She says she never told anyone that the way Jack actually died was her fault. What are you laughing at? You're smelling a minute. That's what I was laughing at. I was like, you do realize they have spell checks. It was late. I was just typing stuff. This is why. Okay, so like I said, we have we have this on a Google Doc that Caitlin can edit, and I write the notes for, and she goes back and makes it more storytelling. Caitlin can't spell meningitis either. I can't spell meningitis, but I wait until the squiggly line pops up and I click it, and it corrects me because well, somebody I, did not correct the spelling of meningitis. No, because I had to give it a break because I was trying to type and Caitlin was trying to type on the same document my grammarly was like I feel like my spelling is pretty close but also really off meningitis 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 this is a serious conversation y'all the way Jack actually died was her fault with the meningitis cure and everything I'm lost why that's there but okay because at the time everyone her parents and the public thought he was already dead from a wolf attack after Colin Isabel's conversation she says that he can now have her number. So we find out this chapter that there are adoption papers. Yes. So Bat did actually adopt Sam. Yes. Which I didn't know was actually a thing, but makes sense because you have this kid who was clearly in like uh, custody of the state at some point. He had to go somewhere. I just want to know how Beck found him. We know he turned him. Yeah. But how did he find him? He's got connections. He's a lawyer. Yeah, he is. I don't know what kind of lawyer he is. I don't know either. That'd be interesting. I have a feeling that Tom Culpepper and Beck like was the DA, and then mm, one was uh, was like, and they had a tour de affair. <laughs> <laughs> Quit breeding smut. <laughs> no, I think that like, would have been a fascinating side story. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think like Beck was more like he took on you know people that had issues. Like he was the defense attorney, and he took on oh. clients. Whereas Tom's prosecutor, I couldn't think of the other word. Yeah. Yeah, prosecutor. <laughs> and he's a person, so it makes sense. That's just how I see it. Yeah. That has nothing to do with this part right here. But anyway, <laughs> I just want to know how quickly he found him, because obviously he knew he was going to turn into a wolf at some point. Yeah, I wonder, I, yeah, how quickly that adoption went through. And that's wow. going to suck, because there's, like, scheduled visits you have to have, I'm pretty sure. Okay, first off, how did Ulrich pass a... <laughs> yes, yeah, so the logistics of this is making no sense. <laughs> because I think Beck has enough connections where... You, you think so? fell into place mm-hmm. because like when you foster somebody or adopt somebody like everyone in the household yeah. every adult has to be vetted I don't think Ulrich would pass anything <laughs> he went on vacation <laughs> he's like you go down to Texas that's that's what happens <laughs> he's like you're gonna go down you to Texas everything you owned with you or put it into our storage unit okay we're gonna put pretend it- you never lived here <laughs> because I need to adopt this child before <laughs> he turns into a wolf in front of these humans uh, social service worker like whoa why are there so many people coming in and out of this house <laughs> and why are they naked 
Well, there's their growling. Do they not question where they go for half the year? Guess not. It was. It had to be a quick adoption. They had to like get through the summer. You mm-hmm. know, it's very strange. Very very strange. Mm-hmm. That is chapter eighteen. All Hopefully, right. you can read through your notes and not laugh. So we're on to chapter eighteen, and the first point of view is Sam's. Wait, hang on. No, I'm trying to figure out where we are. He, he's at work. Okay, so Sam was at at work at the bookstore, and his boss comes to talk to him for a bit, and he tells her about what happened the night before at Grace's house. She his boss seems upset that he didn't just ask for the day off to deal with this um he's is still nervous about Grace's condition and his boss tries to make him feel better by saying uh, to him that it's just a fever and then he opens up about the frustration with her parents. Of course, this leads to the topic of Beck and Sam can't talk about his fill-in father anymore without looking upset. And of course, his boss notices and asks if something was wrong with Beck. Sam eventually tells her that Beck is sick and that it's terminal to cover up the fact that he's changed into wolf and is never coming back human. Um, The boss deduces that this is why he's so worried about Grace's fever and she pretty much forces him to take the rest of the day off. Um, on his way out, he quite literally runs into Rachel, and she tells him that Grace sent her to talk to him, and Rachel gives him her phone so that he can call Grace and talk to his girlfriend. Once again, if it was a Cole character instead of a Sam, the second he ran into Rachel, he'd be like, oh, you again? Hang on, there's like this one part of this that that she says to him right when, oh, wait, his uh, boss's name is Karen, by the way. We didn't add that in. Karen! I don't add names in unless I find it important. Like, Angie didn't get a name until did I ever, did I ever put Angie in? I put Angie in, I think. Yeah, so the thing I'm talking about is, so Rachel's talking to him. She says, poor boy, don't worry. They won't stay mad at you forever, talking about Grace's parents. She said, give them a few days and they'll be back to forgetting they have a daughter. I love how everyone in Grace's life is aware that her parents don't give a f- about her. Exactly. Like, everyone knows. I bet Tom Culpepper knows. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Lewis Probably. doesn't give a f- about his daughter. Yeah. He doesn't even know she likes the wolves. Mm-hmm. I know she likes the wolves. Then we switch to Grace's point of view. So... Sam calls her and Sam asks if he can come over to Grace's house. Grace says that she's grounded. So they talk about going to the studio that Grace uh, got her, got him these hours at the studio for his birthday and Sam says that they can reschedule. But Grace refuses to do that. She tells Sam that he needs to tell her not to run away to his house. He says he can never do that but he has been worried about her. Grace grows eerily concerned over her condition but she tells Sam that she's fine. Okay. um, I'm gonna <laughs> pretend. <laughs> then we switch back to Sam. Sam's point of view for the end of this chapter. We finish off by them saying their goodbyes. Rachel, who's still present during this entire conversation, it, well, it says here, Rachel's still present after listening to that lovey-dovey conversation, <laughs> <laughs> informs Sam that he has the saddest face ever. Your face is so sad. Which, I mean, I don't know if we've covered this yet, but Cole says the same thing. Yeah. Sad boy. Yeah. He's emo. That's supposed to be. So. Chapter 19, we are still in Sam's perspective. So Sam goes out to the shed, set up in the woods for the shifting wolves, and remembers a time when he accidentally trapped himself in there after shifting into a wolf as a kid. He recalls Beck pulling him out of this traumatized state. Cole's presence then yanks him from the memory. Sam asks, what are you doing out here in the woods? And Cole says, I'm trying to change back into a wolf. Sam shows him around the shed, you know. Here's the Doritos. For Ulrich. (laughs) For Ulrich. We got red and blue. <laughs> Purple black. And then Sam asks if changing to a wolf was everything that Cole was expecting. Cole says no, that he expected for the pain to be worse when actually shifting. Sam then tells him that that has never been the painful part for him. The painful part is not knowing if his family would ever turn back this time or not. Then he left Cole where he stood. They have a moment. They have a moment. They have a moment. <laughs> Which uh, Cole doesn't sad really appreciate. Sad, sad boy. Uh, chapter 20 is from Cole's perspective. Thankfully, Cole could feel himself shifting. Sam was too earnest for all his facades. Cole remembers a photo shoot when an assistant gave him her number, which made Victor mad because Cole was dating his sister and Caitlin added Angie. Cole was dating Victor's sister, Angie. Just yeah, make sure we got that all yeah. figured out. Because I was only refer- referring to her as her Victor's sister. Angie. I know, but there are so many people in this book, these books. I so. remembered Angie, evidently. <laughs> I don't know why. Cole added fuel to the fire by informing his friend that he wasn't really with Angie anymore. He makes matters even worse by saying, at least girls know who I am. Basically, Victor then punched him in the face, 
rightfully so, and wanted Cole to do the same. But Cole never did. Back in the present, Cole hopes to shift back soon. Uh, we get a little bit more background on Cole. We get to know Victor a little bit. How much of a asshole Cole was in his past life. Is still. His past is. life. Yeah, he still is. <laughs> Caitlin swooning. <laughs> over here. I'm not swooning over this. He was the asshole here. But the way he's yeah. treating Victor's sister, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> chapter 21, which is the last chapter for this episode, is starts out with Grace's point of view. So that night, Grace has a hard time sleeping without Sam. She considers calling him, but can't bring herself to do it, thinking he might want to be alone instead of with her. Which is crazy, but, you know, sometimes people do that. Then we switch to Sam's point of view. And, of course, Sam is having an equally restless night without Grace. And, of course, he spends his time thinking of more song lyrics about her. This is the scene in every teen romance. Yeah, I was about to say, this is very typical. And they turn their head, and it shows the other one laying in their bed. Yeah. Very, very typical. And the song is like... Exactly like that. I don't know what song is playing. Okay, so I think that wraps it up for today's episode. Next time we will be doing chapters. I don't know. We'll start with 22, but I don't know where we stop. 11, so. We'll be doing chapters 20. 22. We'll be doing chapters 22 through 23. 33. (laughs) (laughs) Next time we will be doing chapters 22 through 33. Yes. We will continue the story then. It's about to get real. Bear with us. Bear with us. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Let's Call It Nothing Pod. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.